Good day, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media and Infotainment News. Welcome to Perspectives in Focus. Today, we will have a conversation with a good friend of mine that comes with a long list of accolades, community involvement, and, and recognition. Brent Maddox spends his days serving as a positive influence with our youth working in the education field. Outside of that, you can find Brent serving in various leadership roles within the Boy Scouts, again, helping to shape and positively influence young adults in our society. Let's spend some time today talking what a day in the life of this husband, father, and community leader looks like. What impact has the pandemic had on his personal and professional life? And here's some strategies for staying positive during these trying times. Let's get it, you guys. Mr. Brent Maddox, <laughs> how morning. are you, sir? Good, good, good. Now that we got the microphone situation. You, you know, technology issues sometimes do present themselves, but that that's all right, right? And that is why, again, we I have folks log on 10, 15 minutes ahead of time, just in case, just in case Murphy's out there and Murphy's Law, right? Well, I, I kind of feel like the story of my life is that part in the movie where the bomb is ticking down three, two, <laughs> and I always cut the right wire before it goes off, but it's always close. Almost everything I do, I well, like that's how it's rolling. You you are kind of a, a MacGyver type of guy, so and 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 we'll get into that because you you wear a number of hats, and 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 that's some some of the things that has drawn me to you over the years. But first and foremost, let's get focused, man. Thank you for the, for the time. Thank you for wanting to have a conversation. Uh, I know we talked a couple of weeks ago and, and I kind of ambushed you in, in the parking lot and said, hey, <laughs> dude, what, what are you doing? Let, let's let's get on, on camera and let, let's talk just a little bit. And you probably didn't know if I was serious or not or if it was just the, the cold night air getting to me. Well, what was awesome is you got back to me right away. And that means a lot to me professionally because, you know, there's a lot of people that just talk, talk, talk. Yeah. So when you said something and then I had an email, I don't know, 30 <laughs> minutes later, I went, okay, he's serious. Let's roll. And I appreciate that. That that is something that I do strive to be uh, punctual, timely. And, you know, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to do something or I'm going to say something, let, let's follow through on it. I tell you what, let, let's start off with this. I, I know you well, and I know the folks that are be tuning in and they're going to be listening either live or after the show. Give the elevator pitch. Who is Brent Maddox? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I you said community, and, and really, that's, I think I'm a community guy. And I am living and working in the community I grew up in here in Roseville, California. I was born in Iowa. And thankfully, my mom and dad moved out to Roseville when I was a baby. So I've grown up here and have had a number of opportunities come my way that could have taken me out of the community. But I, I just love this environment that we have here and want to be part of it, want to serve, want to make it the best it can be. And so you kind of threw some of the hats out there that I wear. Uh, I've been an educator and a coach since 1994. And I've been an administrator and I've been a dad since 1999 with my uh, oldest boy. No, 2000. I got married in 99. So 2000, I've also been a dad. I've got three kids. 
And I guess it's just uh, always go, go, go. I, I think life is short. I'm inspired by so many people around me and just want to give back and, and do the best I can while I've got the time I got. I love that, man. I love it. Let, let, let's, let's dive into a little bit of, of, of that first, right? You know, I really feel the world needs more educators, right? I, I really feel that. There, there, there are two jobs that are, are timeless and are relevant across, across the spectrum, medicine and, and education. I got a two-prong question for you, though. I, I, I could never be a doctor. I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's, 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 that's hard work, and teaching is hard, and parenting, all of that. But, man, I, you know, I, I don't like to side in my own blood sometimes. <laughs> I got a two-prong question for you. Let me ask you why education matters. And it's kind of a ph philosophical type of question. You know, and maybe early on a Saturday morning for that. I got my coffee. I, I hope you do. Um, so why education matters? And, and number two, what advice and guidance would you give to someone looking to pursue a career in the education field? Yeah, so I think uh, I'm going to sound corny here. But <laughs> when I talk about youth being our, our our biggest investment as a, as a society, as a community, as a country. I think that is just so true because our young people are going to be those people who grow up to take on all the leadership roles and, and mm -hmm. keep our great country rolling, our community rolling. And right now it's more important than ever because there are so many uh, elements that are bombarding these kids that uh, to, to give them a solid education and a solid foundation for success and set them up for success is, is more important than ever. And, and we can talk a little bit about how I've seen education change through the years. Uh, ironically, I, I just sat down. Well, you were giving me grief about wearing a shirt and tie on a Saturday. And, that is true. Right. Right. And, Hold on. You know, before you go into that. So, again, I. If you've ever seen any of my shows, I give people a hard time. I, you know, I'll, I'll throw a curveball, and 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 you won't be expected. Saturday morning, again, I, I'm I'm wearing the logo swag, the new Hicks New Media <laughs> swag. If you guys want some, I'll, you, you have the link. But you're you've got the suit and tie on, and lo looking mighty sharp too, sir. Looking mighty sharp for a Saturday morning with 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 your uh, suit and tie on. I, I commend you for stepping up to 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 that next level of of attire. Well, thank you. I, I have always uh, worn a shirt and tie. Um, if you ask my students, I, I've had a shirt and tie on every day. I haven't missed a day unless it's been a spirit day or a dress up day, whether it's been as a teacher or an administrator, always wearing yeah. a shirt and tie. And, and part of that goes back to one of my heroes. Uh, when I was in school, one of my favorite teachers, Bart Jurjevic, who was my Spanish teacher, and he wore a shirt and tie every day. And I just, as a young man, looked looked at him as, as one of my positive role models and thought, hey, this is this is what I want to do yeah, as I grow up. And so where I was going to go is ironically, when I first started coaching, I was a young coach and I coached on, on our football program here at Roseville High School. And Mr. Georgevic used to be one of the teachers that for one of his supervision, supervision duties was to run the gate where the football team would come in. And so we'd always chat when I come by and I told him, hey, Mr. Georgevic, I'm going into education. And again, this is one of my heroes. And he looks at me and he shakes his head and he goes, don't do it. And he was dead serious. He's like, don't do it. Things have changed. It's so much more difficult now. And that was a hard thing to hear from him. Yeah. And that really made me kind of stop for a second and think, hey, what, what's up with that? And 
thankfully, I didn't listen to him because I've had an amazing <laughs> experience, and it is it is an extremely difficult profession. But I think most professions, I'm always one of those guys that feel strongly about what you put into it. It's what you get, what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And so there's a wide spectrum of what we can do in education. Uh, and so it, it's definitely a challenging career. One thing that I would say to people that are just entering the field of education is stay strong. We have a, a huge washout rate in the first five years. Uh, many, many people don't continue in education. And so stay strong, keep a positive attitude, and you got to come in with a love and passion. You know, one thing I told my students, I remember, I, I think I was like 24, and the, the students really responded to me in the classroom, and you know, we had a really engaging relationship. And, and I'd tell them, hey, if I ever get to the point where I can't give you that love and passion, you guys need to, you need to let me know because I need to get out. You guys are too <laughs> important. And, you know, here I am 25 years later, and I still feel like I have that same passion and energy and, and keep it going. And really, it's because of the young people I'm around. I, I feel like you know, I just reflect the energy that they give to me. And uh, you know, every day I come to school, I, I may not be in the best mood. And uh, yeah, it doesn't last very long because I watch yeah. these kids coming in the door and you know, they just fill me up. So that's been one of the most challenging things with the pandemic here is when we shut down the schools. My wife quickly said, you need those kids, Brent. Like, you know, I could tell it, it is, you know, it's just a, a connection that they, they fill you up with life and energy is pretty cool. That's good stuff. And I'm, I'm going to go into a little, little bit further about how the pandemic has kind of affected. But you, you mentioned something about the washout rate, right, for folks going into education. And I guess I, I want to ask why that is. Is it? <laughs> is it the distresses of the? I mean, so so that could be a rabbit hole, right? We we can we can go oh, yeah. that. We, we we can stream all day. If, if you know, I I got a full pot of coffee here. We we can stay here for a while. But you know, I, I wonder if that's again the stresses of the job. Is is the 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 ever changing aspects of education requirements from my wife's in education as well. So I, so I hear you know all sides of it as well. Is it the testing criteria? Is is it those types of rigors? Is it the funding? Is it the pay again what, what is it the things that, that you see from all right just, so just I, some high level things so i could take a deep breath and talk for three hours and Let's go do down it, that brother. rabbit hole but Let's do it. what what i'll tell you is in short it, it it really is an impossible job with what you want to invest into it because we have so many students in front of us be a, 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 a elementary teacher who has a class size of 35 or so that is with students all day long and I think we've seen a lot of parents have this experience where the kids are at home and they're trying to help them with education. Yeah. And it's so difficult to keep somebody's attention. And then you go down to like a, a five, six, seven year old, you're trying to build up this experience where they can focus and grow. Mm -hmm. And you put a bunch of those students in a classroom and it's it's off the hook. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I talk about in my leadership class as students come in is about babies. I say, you guys have all seen babies, right? You've all seen babies. And we all love babies. And what do babies do? You know, they explore everything. They grab stuff. They put it in their mouth. They put it up their nose. They're banging it. They want to know how stuff works. And if you look at their eyes, they've got that wonderment of the whole world around them. And I, I used to be a principal for an elementary school. And I watched these students come in with that same spirit. And something happens by the time students hit middle school, by the time they hit high school, 
that they've been kind of beat down by a lot of challenging experiences. Mm. And so I think as a teacher coming into that world where you have a lot of students in front of you, in front of you, if you want to make a difference for every one of those kids, you're more than a teacher. You're a parent, you're a coach, you're a nurse, you're a psychologist. I mean, you have so many things that are going on and the role of a teacher has greatly changed uh, with what we're expected to do in education. You know, education was really built, it was designed to create factory workers. If you think about the model of education, it was sitting people down, sitting students down and conditioning them to stay at a desk, to be on task, to mm -hmm. stay focused. And and back in even as early as as recent as like the 80s, it was the teacher has all the information. And if you listen carefully and you follow their system, then you're going to get better. But if you can't connect into that system, you're going to get beat up. I think in the 80s, we started wow. to adjust the paradigm. And there was a shift that we got to teach all students. And as I came in into education in the mid 90s, uh, you know, things were we've got to teach every student and, and every student in our district means every student. And if you look at all the needs of kids, you know, beyond it's way beyond education. Uh, you know, there's a lot of social challenges that we see students, right. a, a lot of poverty that we have students uh, coming to school with. I mean, we have at our school, we've got about a third of our students are on a free and reduced lunch program. And uh, yeah, so I think all those expectations that are on teachers to have programs for students that speak English as a second language, to students that have disabilities, to students that, you know, come in that are that are accelerated, that you know, you need to provide them with additional content and you've got them all in the same class. And sometimes, you know, we have class sizes in the 40s. And so it's just a, a lot. We we don't get a ton of time to prep. And there's a, a there's a lot of programs that are coming down at teachers where it's OK, well, I got to learn this particular curriculum with this textbook. Right. And then, oh, we shifted that. We're adopting a new textbook. Yeah. Um, one of the frustrating things that I've I've gone through now, and I feel a little guilty because as an administrator, yeah, I was pushing with teachers, but we've seen these things where uh, the materials that I create are on a Microsoft platform. And now we've migrated to a different platform. And so I'm trying to shift stuff from like Microsoft Word over to a Google platform and a Google okay. Doc, and it doesn't transfer cleanly. Yeah. And so that's hours and hours of, of work trying to redo that while I'm still trying to maintain what uh, what you know I'm expected to do. So I guess I, I can boil it down to here's my best analogy for you. And the, the analogy is a vacuum cleaner. When the vacuum cleaner came, uh, you know, was first invented, what was it going to do? It was going to save us a heck of a lot of time in cleaning our home. But that's not what it did in reality. What it did is it raised the standards for cleanliness. And now people were spending three, four times the amount of time that they were before cleaning the house because they had to make it look cleaner because they had this, you know, this wonderful vacuum cleaner. And I think there's just a lot of elements in education where we're expected to do a little bit more. And, uh, and, and that is just definitely stretch teachers. Yeah. And, and I didn't even throw in the level of you know, communication. And now that we have uh, you know, our email program, I mean, we're accessible as teachers you know, all the time. And we're expected to get back to people, which I think is a great expectation. Uh, and no exaggeration, I get easily over 100 emails a day. And some of those emails, 
you know, might just be spam that I'm deleting. Some of it may be reply all because I get on a thread and people are hitting stuff. But if I you have, you, those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I even have 10 emails uh, that are going to take me five, six minutes to respond, well, there's an hour of my day right there just trying to communicate with parents and, and or my colleagues. So it's just, uh, it, it's, there's a, a lot of elements going on. You got to be able to multitask. You've got to be able to maintain positive energy and uh, you, you got to make sure that you're connecting to every student. And so it's, it's, it is high stress. And so that's where we're seeing uh, young teachers and even people who are coming into education for a second career that are bailing okay. out because yeah. they, they say, hey, yeah, I, I went to school with some teachers that in the teaching credential program two of the young ladies that I was with, they went all the way up to being in the classroom for three, four months. And then they just realized, Hey, I just don't enjoy being with kids and thank goodness, you know, they hit the eject button <laughs> because I think one of the biggest disservice we can have is to have teachers that are in an environment that they, they They're don't enjoy writing. it. Yeah. And cause the kids know that, I mean, the kids are, yeah. they're sharks, man. They smell BS from, you know, a thousand yep. miles away. And, and, uh, you know, it's horrible being part of an environment that, that you don't like. And and I think, uh, you know, the, the pandemic here has magnified that a little bit where some teachers have enjoyed their job, but it's created extra stressors and pressures, a whole new learning curve. Uh, yeah, I used to be a technology teacher back, I'm not a technology teacher, a teacher of technology. Big difference. That sounds good, too. That, that looks when, good on the business card. I like that. Yeah. When when I, I, I was lucky, my first couple of years teaching, we had a $2 million technology grant that came through the district. And I yep. didn't know much about technology. And I was able to participate in the two-year course. And I had this thing, James. It was awesome. It was a first of its kind. It was called a digital camera. And if I put a, a three and a half inch floppy disk in the side of it, oh, and I put that's it on good the, stuff there. If I put it on the right setting, I could get away for this 15 pictures that weren't very good quality. <laughs> and that was cutting edge technology, you know, back in 1999 or so. Yeah, and we so, just we just dated ourselves just a little bit there, but that, that's good right there. Yeah. Well, and, and just to see how how much things have shifted because at that point, yeah, you know, I was one of the teachers on campus that we we followed a uh, a teacher of teachers model. So I got trained and then I would teach other teachers. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, I was on the forefront of our technology stuff. And man, that passed me by quickly. And so I think when we went to the the corona blackout here where you know we shut everything down and we had to communicate and work with students through technology it forced everybody into a very uncomfortable position yeah. to get to a point where we could better communicate. So I feel like that warp speed me to catch me back up because I definitely felt way behind in a lot of technology. And, I, and I'll yeah. just tie that into one more challenge for teachers, for educators, is I think I counted the other day 36 different platforms that I need to be trained in to do my job from a grading system to an attendance system, wow. yeah. which sometimes is combined, sometimes it's not. And uh, as good as we are, there's a lot of little quirks and hiccups. I mean, it's just like us can't get the microphone going on. What's yeah. going on? What's going yeah. on? And you said, hey, just reset your system. And that fixed it. Well, when I have 36, 45 kids sitting in front of me and I have to spend five minutes trying to troubleshoot, I, I try to work bell to bell. So I don't like downtime. And that's okay. really frustrating for me. But it's kind of where we've been. We've had a ton of issues uh, through Zoom, we've had the Zoom platform crash. We've had uh, just our internal infrastructure have issues. We've had a, 
hackers attack us. Uh, we've yeah. had Zoom bombers come in. And those so, are t- those are tough, man. I, I had yeah. a few as well, and yeah, they they can get uncomfortable. For, so yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Let, let me let me ask you let me ask you this because that was that was a, a great segue, and and I guess my question about the, the, the pandemic and the restrictions that it's kind of imposed that are in front of mind of everyone, right? Uh, how have you kind of adapted within the work environment? And you talked a little bit about that, but again, how have you adapted within your working environment and even with kind of your your personal behaviors over this past year? You know, how, how has it affected how Brent operates on, on a day-to-day basis, professionally and, and, and personally? Uh, I have to keep coming back and, and patting myself on the back and picking myself up because I feel like a failure. Uh, hmm. And I think that's been pretty uniform across education with teachers because it, it is slower. Uh, when we first started with shutting schools down, one thing I heard a lot was, man, I feel like a, a first year teacher again. I feel like a first year teacher again. And, you know, these are from people that have taught 20 plus years. And I had to remind them, hey, stop. Uh, It's worse than being a first year teacher. When you were a first year teacher, ignorance is bliss. You didn't know what you didn't know. Now you've Mm -hmm. created these very high expectations for you and your students. And we know we're not meeting those. So that's that's really difficult. And particularly for my subject, doing leadership and student government, it's it's hands-on. We do a lot of teamwork, team building. And so to not have that, I've had to reinvent how I package the curriculum, how I deliver the curriculum to the students. And I've also, uh, and this isn't just me, it's all teachers, we're trying to be sensitive to the situations that our students are in as well. Because right. again, we've got a wide spectrum. We've got kids that, you know, their families are up in a, you know, cabin in Lake Tahoe and they're doing distance learning, yeah. but they're also out playing in the snow and, and just having the time of their lives as a family. And we've got other students, their families, their parents have lost their jobs and, and they're mm-hmm. homeless and mm-hmm. they don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, we're really lucky to be in a suburban environment where I think our students are much more empowered with the tools of success. I can't imagine being in an urban environment where it's a lower social economic, they don't have as many resources. But here in, in our Roseville Joint Union High School District, we have, uh, we, we transition to a one, one-on-one uh, device for all of our students. So that happened last year. So before we okay. got shut down, we were lucky every one of our students had a Chromebook. And for those students that didn't have uh, uh, Wi-Fi at home, our district quickly set up hotspots. We had teachers and administrators and clerical calling you know, all hours of the day, if we hadn't heard from students trying to get them connected into the uh, the environment here. And so I, I say, I think that, you know, we kind of kind of do some self-care. It's like, again, dumb analogy, but it's like what they say when you're on the airplane and the oxygen mask come down, you got to breathe yourself before you put the mask on your kiddo. And it's been that same way. Um, I've seen more tears. I've had personally more tears in the last year because I think we've been so hard on ourselves because we do have high expectations. I mean, it's difficult to watch students wither. Um, And I I tell you, Mm. I am so inspired and impressed by our young people. And personally, the students in my class uh, this year have so risen to the occasion and they maintain a positive attitude. They've gotten done what they can get done. 
but you know, there's a lot of issues out there where you know I've watched them wither, and it is more challenging to be a little bit more self-directed from home. Uh, I think that there's a large voice that's going to the students that we have um, that's taken away their power that is telling them, "Hey, you guys are getting the short stick." And instead of hmm. we have this opportunity to build resiliency in our kiddos and and grit. That's one of the leadership terms: is we want leaders with grit. We want we want employees with grit and that resiliency. And I, I am really concerned by a large message, especially from parents that are telling their kids that, you know, hey, you need more. You deserve more. Right. You're not getting what you need. And, and I think that's sending the wrong message. Uh, one other thing that, that I'm concerned about that I see as a trend is in a Zoom room, you, know, you have all your students on the screen. And uh, I sub for quite a few classes. And so I'll get in and, and be in a Zoom room. And uh, all the screens are dark and it's just the the black screen with yeah. the student name on it. And yeah. uh, we had a, a school showcase the other night and we had all these families come in and then every program had their own little breakout Zoom room that families could come in and ask questions about, hey, what's that class about? What's that athletic program about or club or whatever? And almost everybody who came into my room that were mostly you know, parents with their kids, they had their screens off and there was just this disengagement mm. Uh, having my own kids, I mean, they've told me it's awkward when they're in a, a room uh, with other people and people aren't talking or they feel like that screen is just staring at them, that camera staring at them. So they don't want anybody to to see them. And then I have seen more ceiling fans and the tops of kids heads. And as a teacher, as an educator, I'm looking 90 percent of what we communicate is nonverbal. And so I'm always in the classroom. I'm scanning. I'm picking up cues. So that's definitely been a challenge to get behind the eyeballs of the kiddos. I mean, literally get behind the eyeballs because I'm looking at their forehead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you know, I, I have a lot of positive relation equity, I think that I build with my students and they trust me and we build an environment that's, that's nurturing. And so I'll be able to pull students out of that and get them connected with, man, it is 10 times more of a challenge. And, uh, and I get it for their standpoint. Um, you know, it's just a different world now. In our district, we're back in the classroom five days a week, okay. and and that's created some issues as well. Yeah. In the sense that uh, we have students that are still zooming in, and mm -hmm. so we kind of went through this process last spring where we shut everything down, and, and we thought it was going to be three weeks. So it's like, hey, we're doing a three week timeout. We're going to keep everybody safe. So we went to this asynchronous education where pretty much it was independent learning teachers were given out assignments students would check back in and then three weeks became six weeks that became the whole fourth quarter and we never got students back into the classroom and and for the spring uh, and, and you know i'm connected to quite a few colleagues that are in this area so i would say pretty much for placer county and sacramento county uh, everybody was in the same boat where it was just kind of things shut down yeah. So we started back up in the fall with uh, a synchronized learning where now students are popping on. They're on at least four hours a day. So it's an hour each class. And it was 100 percent through the camera. And, man, I felt like I was an airplane airplane pilot. Uh, I've got multiple screens. I got my cell phone <laughs> out and you know, I'm trying to keep an eye on the kids. But then I'm trying to load up content. And so it was almost like running a podcast where. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have much feedback from the from the students and we have chat rooms. And so the students are big in the chat room. They love it's like texting. Right. Yes, so yes. Blah, 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 this thing's yeah. running 200 yeah. miles an hour. 
and I'm trying to deliver content and, and I'm saying, hey, if you guys have a question, unmute and ask me. Well, no, I got 30 questions in the chat room and nobody's unmuting. No one so. wants to get on camera, right? And no one wants to get on audio, but they'll, they'll put those, thing, those, those thumbs to work. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and you also have to meet students where they are. So, you know, it's kind of this delicate dance where I'm trying to pull them in. Uh, so they get the most out of their education. And if I'm forcing them to always do it my way and not trying to meet them where they are, uh, then we probably are going to reach a point where the bar gets too high and I lose them. And if I always meet them where they are and I'm not stretching them, they're not going to grow at all. So it is this, this, and you're doing that for, yeah, I've got 50 kids in one of my classes. And so you're trying to monitor everybody there. And so, yes, that was a, a big shift. And now we're at this point, well, in October, when we hit our second quarter, we shifted things over where it was students could come back into the classroom on a hybrid schedule. So they come in right. two days a week. Right. And what we saw is where we had maybe 15 kids that were assigned or scheduled to come in. I got to the point where it was like five of them that were in the classroom because it really is impossible to teach to students right in front of you and students that are online. We're not built that way. We don't right. have a camera crew. Like if you look at the college programs or even high schools that teach online, they usually have a studio. So, you know, they, they can teach. And then the the camera, well, now I'm my own cameraman. So I'm like flying this thing and trying to get stuff going. And then all of a sudden our system starts dragging. Well, you know, anytime you have somebody's attention and then bam, it gets hit down. You got to rebuild that attention. That's and, true. That's and true. that's what the, that's what the high school kids. Yeah. I can't imagine these elementary teachers or magicians for how they connect and interact. And when I was a principal, I do walkthroughs and I was just amazed with all the little tricks they have to keep the students attention and engaged and, and moving forward. And so, yeah, so uh, now we're at a point where uh, students made a choice, families made a choice of what they wanted to do coming back here in the spring. And those that didn't want to be in the classroom are on an academy model. So they're full-time with the Zoom and those teachers are full-time online. Right. But what happened is right before we came back, we our, our school board punted and they gave the option for students to um, continue on Zoom. And now our focus is shifted as a, as a teacher, right? I'm teaching to the students in my classroom and the Zoomers are kind of a portal into the classroom and you know, I'm really conscientious of doing my best so I don't leave them behind. But I, I know from having conversations with my own kids and, and students in my class that some of my colleagues have you know really kind of forgotten about the students on Zoom because it is so it's an impossible task. And our microphones are you know problematic sometimes and and Technology all that gets jazz. in the way once in a while. Technology. Oh yeah. You, this is this is amazing, right? So you you talked about a couple of things that I, I want to make sure aren't overlooked. You talked about personal care, self-care, right? Your, your, your airplane analogy, right? Putting on, putting on the mask, that kind of thing. And, and there was, there was another analogy that, that you made in, and it's escaping me right now, but again, it kind of leads into this next question about this last question about education that I guess I want to ask you. And, and what are you telling the kids that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis? And, you know, and maybe even the adults, about staying positive, about mental health, mental wellness during this whole mask wearing lockdown time that we're in right now, right? How are you using your skills, your 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 influence to 
help folks stay stay positive uh, during during this particular time? So I, I teach leadership, and uh, at the core of a lot of my teaching is the seven habits of highly effective teams is what mm-hmm. we use. But uh, Sean Co- Sean Covey wrote that book. Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly right. Effective People, and the tenet in that book that really resonates with me is control what you can control. And uh, there's only so many things that we can control. I mean, there's, there's like, as we brainstorm in class, what we don't control is, uh, you know, we could spend, you know, a million things that we write up there on things that we don't control. And, and yet I think in our society, especially because we're so connected and we see so many things on social media and on the news, there's a lot of things that we can't control that are bombarding us with an emotion. And so I think the best thing we can do is, is really work to tune out what we can't control and focus yeah. in on what we can control. And that, that's a difficult thing because there's a lot of things that we can't control that impact us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having that skill set to, it's not compartmentalized, but it's really to just have a strong mindset of uh, success and I'm going to keep marching forward. I'm not going to compare myself to those people around me because that's a, you know, that's a tumor, right? Uh, yeah. Trying to, trying to keep up with the Joneses, especially when, you know, you look on social media and a lot of it's fabricated. It's and, none and of created. it's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was a little bummed. I'm not in my zoom room because they have a, a wrinkle remover or some kind of a screen so you wanted the, the skin repair and, you know it, it's all you here but you know yeah. what and matter of fact I'll, I'll even zoom in and make sure people get the, the, the full pragmatics <laughs> there right there's no escaping when when, you, when you're on it for yeah and focus, so. so but i think you know especially for our young kids yeah. uh being brought up in a, a false reality and, and i tell my leadership kids that hey you're being brainwashed and mm-hmm. A lot of them don't know what that means. So I, I define what brainwashing means. And then I say, hey, so who is brainwashing you? And they start to, and it's funny because every time I, I've done this for 20 years and every time it takes a little while to build up and then all of a sudden they start realizing, I love it when they get to the point where they say, well, you're brainwashing us. I say, hell yeah, brainwashing <laughs> you. You know, and there's a lot of people that are trying to put positive messages into you. But when you start looking at just the, all the social media with with what's being put up by these uh, influencers yeah. and, you know, it's it's not reality. And and so, uh, you know, I, my heart really hurts for kids growing up now, with, which is so many expectations, false expectations that yeah. they have. Yeah. And so yeah, I think trying to be aware of that and then I'm um, just trying to support each other. And, and that's where I'm trying to figure things out, because the new generation has a different way of interacting and connecting. And uh, it's, it, I feel as an old guy, you know, I feel like I'm that old guy. I go, these kids nowadays, yeah. just looking at kind of the superficial interaction that they have, you know, they, how many friends can I count? You know, Oh, wow. I have yeah. so many followers yeah. Yeah. and you know, there's a lot of different shows, documentaries where they go in and there's actually, you know, brain response, just like people doing drugs is when, when people get followers and likes and that's stimulating those same parts of the brain that we would mm-hmm. stimulate for doing drugs and, and it's addictive. So, you know, I guess trying to, to get kids connected and uh, trying to support each other. And, and I feel like that's been more and more of a challenge as, as I've progressed in my career here 
So I don't know. I don't have it all figured out. And I'll say that's the other secret that I have yeah. is, uh, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to pretend like you have all the answers. And then one big issue that I have trying to, to go at with, with kids, well, even everybody, is the beauty of failing. And I tell students, mm. I want you to fail. And fail is not a word. It's an acronym. And, and I ripped this off from somebody. You know, this isn't a Brent Maddox thing. All right. you, you, you can so take that's what a good teacher does. So fail is an acronym, and it stands for first attempt in learning. And I have seen just a change in students that don't want to put themselves out there. And that's typically why we see kids lose that sparkle from being little kids. When they get into high school, they have been beaten down because they see failure as a bad thing. And, uh, and so they don't want to put the, they don't want to try. They don't want to put themselves out there because they feel like they're going to get negative uh, pushback for not being successful. And, and, you know, these kids that have a four point bazillion GPA. And so if I've got a, now if I have a 4.0, I'm like, you know, in the, second third of my class kind right. of thing. You know, yeah. and, and so I've got to look perfect because I got to get into college so I can have two and a half kids and a white picket fence and all that stuff. And so I think that we have just lost that fun and failing. And that's been my whole success, man. I have failed so many times, but I have that fun part of coming back in it yeah. and learning from it. That's really what attracted me to scouts is I feel like scouts is one of our last frontiers where where kids can fail with success uh, or fail with supports. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, you, you got to go out there. And too often I see adults, just the expectations they have for kids to be perfect and make everything happen. And it's not very reasonable. So I think, you know, just create an environment where it's okay to not get it a hundred percent, as long as you're trying your best yeah. and you're working hard, uh, you know, cause I think that there's a segment of our society right now as well that just says, ah, screw it. You know, I, I don't have to do anything and I can still get support from the government or, you know, don't yeah. fail in that manner, yeah. but yeah. you know, fail, fail to grow. I love that. It, it's almost like we planned some of this too, cause you brought up, you brought up scouts and I was going to ask you about that as well, but I, I do also want to, want to iterate on, on what you just said, right? The, the educators have to be so so diverse right in terms of what they what they provide to not just themselves and their peers and their colleagues but to the folks in their room right to to the young, young adults in their room you, you, you've got to not only teach the lesson at hand but you've got to be that extension of parenting at times mm -hmm. right and kind of that other voice of reason some students some kids will go in one ear and not the other of what their parents say but when another trusted advisor trusted adult trusted person in their life says, yeah, the stuff you see online is fabricated. It's not real. I mean, th those aren't real expectations for life. But when when someone like a, a teacher says that, right, you're in that seat of authority for the most part, right? And, and, and you are that trusted person. It's really good to hear that you say you rise to the occasion and we'll, we'll set the kids straight. All right. You know, we'll, we'll tell them uh, what is right, what is wrong, what is real and things of that nature, right? I mean, those things need to continue to happen and again educators just shouts out to all of our educators because uh we, we couldn't do anything with, without them and outside of that you we, we talked a little bit about scout you you, you spent a lot of time climbing mountains uh jumping off of uh jumping jumping into watering holes and stuff like that talk <laughs> to us a little bit about 
what you do as an adventurer, because I, I included that in the marketing promo. And again, I think that word really sums up the other 50% of you, right? So talk to us a little bit about the things that you do when you're not in the suit and tie, when, when you're out doing <laughs> things for yourself. And then how that, again, as you kind of alluded to, translate into your involvement with uh, Cut Scouts and Boy Scouts. Yeah, so it's funny because I have two sets of clothes pretty much. I've got my shirt and tie and I've got my scrubbies. You know, I've got my my hiking clothes and my cutoff jeans and my t-shirt's got paint all over it kind of a thing. So, yeah, so I just, we are so fortunate to live in the country we're in. There's so many resources. And I, I go back to, it was actually my first year of teaching and we were studying a story I, I was teaching an English class and I don't remember what the focus was, but somehow we got on this conversation and the kids started going, I can't wait to get out of Roseville. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what? And oh, Roseville's horrible. I'm like, have you been around other parts of the country? And I think, uh, you know, I just love to get out and check different areas out, but we are so fortunate here in Roseville where it's two hours up to the mountains. It's two yeah. hours out to the ocean. I mean, it's so, you know, I play a lot with uh, hiking and uh, good or not. Somebody gave me this hiking book that uh, was a 2001, 2002 edition. In fact, I, I've got uh, like five copies. So I've got one here on my desk. So <laughs> somebody gave me this book and it's got a thousand hikes in it. And, I'm just a challenge guy. I love big challenges. And so I got that book. I'm like, well, I'm going to do all the hikes in them. And so, you yeah, guys kind of been a hobby. And for a while, it was probably too much of a passion. And my wife was ready to beat me because we were planning summer trips. Ready to and, change the locks on the, on the front door. So well, a thousand hikes. How so a thousand hikes. So I am uh, coming up on 700 right now. That's amazing. And so, amazing. Uh, yeah, so the, the joke was when the kids were young, is I'd pull out the book and I'd go dun 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 right and my wife would go uh her thing was dun 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 like oh my gosh what are we doing with this thing and this the kids my wife quickly learned to ask me you know I say hey we're just gonna do this this short little hike well how how far is it so I give them the mileage well, is that one way or is that round trip? You know, what's the elevation change? You know, exactly. I, I, we had a, a pretty rough outing one day. We were going over to the coast and we stopped to do a hike. And I said, hey, it's only a mile. And, uh, or no, it's two miles. I said, it's only two miles. Well, that was just one way and it was straight up. It's like a 2,000 foot elevation <laughs> gate. And so like, holy smokes. And so, yeah, I kind of, uh, have the family rebel against me a little bit. So I try to tone things down, but I do think that our family has a passion for outdoors. We do a lot of camping, we do a lot of exploring. And, and so if I could do anything outside of education, like my great idea of, a, of a fun, it's just a nice road trip and yeah. taking off. And um, I, I wasn't a scout. Well, I was, I was a Cub Scout in second and third grade. And that was the extent of my scouting career. And then we lost our house and uh, lived out in the woods. So I feel yeah. like, you know, I did scouting for real. We lived yeah. in a tent for the summer. My mom and dad lived in a tent shed up in El Dorado uh, National Forest and cooked on a campfire and all that. So I'm like, well, we did scouting for real. And uh, we got to the point where I just didn't come back to scouts. And so uh, when I had kids, 
I thought, yeah, I'd really like them to be involved in the scouting organization. So I have my my two oldest are boys. And so they jumped into it. I have uh, my oldest now is 20 and he's serving in the United States Air Force. And then my youngest just turned 18. And so he just ended his career. So we had, you know, what, like 12, 13 years in scouting. And uh, so in addition to just doing all the trips and stuff with the scouts, uh, pretty much I'm on the road somewhere doing something, but just to be able to spend that time with my sons in the last four years, uh, not counting last summer, but the four years before that, we participated with High Adventures and that's something our Troop 828 has done fantastically. And so just to be able to go up to Canada and do a hundred mile canoe trip with them, to be able to uh, go do a hundred mile hike with them down in New Mexico at Philmont. And then probably the highlight, I mean, literally I was crying in my scuba gear. I had my mask on and we were in the Keys scuba diving at Sea Base High Adventure Camp. And, you know, so proud of my boys because they had to get certified uh, scuba diving. And my my younger son at the time was 15 and going out to Monterey where it was like 42 degrees water and Mm. it was it was mm. tough for me and i got certified when i was like 20 but i hadn't been scuba diving since and so you know, i i went through the program with them again and it was difficult to to go through that so it was so blissful being over in florida with 82 degree water <laughs> and so there was a point where we were just kind of sunk underneath this uh barracuda and just why it was just hanging just hanging and we're all kind of watching it and we had two sharks start coming around, a reef shark and a nurse shark, which you know, aren't predatory towards towards scuba divers. So, you know, I didn't feel intimidated. But then we had these schools of fish and all these colors. And here's my son's right next to me. And it was just That's pretty, pretty awesome good. experience. Not, not, you, you can't buy that. And, and not, not everyone all. gets to experience that. You, you talk about Philmont. So Isaiah, my, my son was supposed to go to Philmont last year right. and with 2020 in lockdown that uh, obviously was canceled and he was he was a little broken up about that so would have loved to experience that uh, uh, that outing and that adventure with him but I, I've been on a couple of hikes with you not not the the long <laughs> hectic uh, fully uphill ones but uh, you, you you've had me out there trucking in in snow and, and bushes as well so and I, I do remember those I do enjoy those times. we did that last in hike that had a little elevation that was that there, was decent so, yeah. that was decent I, I hung in I wasn't in the front of the pack I was in the middle oh, I, 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 was, I was I was making sure that uh, no one fell backwards and if I yeah I'm now training a little bit more so I can I can be more aptitude to some of that elevation so Brent, what's next for you, man? What 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 do you got going for you? We're we're getting close to somewhat of a. I don't like to keep saying new normal, but we're getting close to somewhat of of a, just a different light, right? We're we're getting around this bend. What what's next for you, either from from the professional perspective, or are you? You're putting on the hat and jumping in the RV and and heading <laughs> east, my friend. Or what, what? What's the Maddox family got got planned for? Yeah, you? great. We're heading northwest. Uh, okay. But before I before I roll in on that, I'll tell you that uh, you know I kind of had this moment uh, five years ago where I realized, man, all my kids are going to be gone in seven years. I mean, and it's just gone so fast. Even though I've been involved in coaching. 
mm-hmm. you know, doing scouting with them. It's the worst part about having kids is their little measuring sticks for time. And you see how fast it goes. Uh, I'm going to start getting emotional <laughs> because I just got two and a half years left before yeah. my baby, my daughter, who's in my class right now. I mean, she's going to be 18 and I'll be done with high school. And that's crazy to kind of look at that phase of life. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get back in the classroom. So I'm really blessed to be the activities director at Roseville High School right now. And, uh, you know, I get that fun element of building culture, which I think is so important and trying to make our school better, make our community better. And so I think professionally, you know, my commitment was coming back in and being the activities director until my kids made it through school. And uh, I had nine years as an assistant principal and a principal. And I am so thankful that I'm not in administration right now because it is really like the job has changed where it's I feel it's more of trying to run a school like a business and a lot of CYA because we're in such a litigious environment and um you know, I, I feel you got to run a school like a family. And I think that's how mm, students like that. grow the most. Yeah. Uh, as an administrator, I definitely didn't feel like uh, there were many opportunities to do that. It, there's a lot of deliverables. And I think driving a school on test scores uh, is problematic. But that's a whole nother spot there. So professionally, I think I've, I've got a couple more years and then I'll sit down with my wife and just kind of reassess like what works best um, for for us and for the future. And, and really, I'm always looking at where can I make an impact in the community? Where can I make that mm. best impact in the community? And I, like that. I had opportunities to, uh, to, you know, be an administrator in other communities and um, take off and even work in the pr- private sector and probably make a heck of a lot of money. But yeah, I think the passion is where can I make a difference in the community? And then uh, I just as a family, our, our next thing is we're going to take off and go over to Europe for my son's graduation nice. gift and let him plan out where we were headed. And with all the, the COVID stuff, I'm just not feeling super comfortable with that. So we're going to be taking a road trip. We're going to be road tripping up to Alaska this summer. Nice, and, brother. That's uh, good. That's one of the five states that I haven't been to. And so, yeah, I'm looking for I, I we road trip every summer. We've road tripped. Yeah, every summer since 19. Well, my wife and I got married in 99 and our our honeymoon was a three week road trip through uh, the western (laughs) United States and six national parks. And so we've done a lot of road tripping and we were able to do uh, one of our largest ones a few summers ago. We did 44 days, went all the way down to Florida. That's where we did our scuba dive at the camp and then all the way up to Niagara Falls. And uh, so we kind of hot lapped the United States and Last summer, I was able to, well, gosh, man, it's like COVID is like a timeout of life here. Every, so it every day is Groundhog's Day. It, it, it was. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't la- it wasn't this last summer, the summer before, my son and I, uh, Kyle, my 18-year-old now, we went up to Canada and we went through the Northern Rockies, up to Banff and Jasper okay. and all the way over to Winnipeg where we did our, our canoe trip with our scout group. And so that was pretty amazing. So that was my first uh, real drive up into Canada. So we're going to drive up uh, in through Canada and end up uh, the girls are going to fly in and and meet us in Anchorage and we'll spend uh, probably a month or so on the road. So yeah, that gets me fired up just to go out and seeing crazy stuff that's in our, in our country. And, you know, just so much different diversity with, uh, the geology and the yeah. geography and the people. And so it's, it's pretty neat to go out and check that stuff out. 
That's good stuff. And 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 I, I I feel the same way that you do about your kids going off, uh, right? Leaving, right? My uh, our our eldest Jordan is, is supposed to be in Los Angeles right now in UCLA. Mm -hmm. And the only silver lining of <laughs> COVID is that. She's only upstairs right now. She's going through class right now, right? Because yeah, right. dad was not ready. Dad was completely broken up. And I look, I will be the first to tell folks that, no, I, I was not ready to make, for that to happen. So we got a little bit more time to to really continue to bond. And, and that, that's again, that, awesome. if, if anything, that's been uh, a silver lining of this whole thing. Um, well, well and your relationship kind of changes as they get yes. older. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's weird and uh cool at the same time and our oldest son devin uh by the way all three of my kids their middle names are mountain names so talking about being an adventurer and explorer uh, they're all named after this see, these are the gems right here right <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't get this in regular interviews folks this, this kind of information is, is well, what I, I'm looking i for. told my wife uh i told my wife i go i don't care you got the first name but i'm so we have devin everest and Kyle is Kyle Austin. I'll tell you that in just a second. And then my daughter is Alyssa McKinley. And so she was devastated when they renamed McKinley back to Denali. Oh. And, uh, and so she asked when we go up to Alaska, can I see my mountain? I go, heck yeah, we're going to go check your mountain out and, and check that out. So with, with Kyle, man, we had such a hard time trying to figure out his middle name. And we must have gone through gosh, at least hundreds of mountain names. And my favorite mountain just aesthetically is Mount Clark in Yosemite National Park. It's just okay. a beautiful mountain. And my wife's like, I don't like the name Clark. We're not going to do that. And so we were, we were close at one point to having a, you know, we were having negotiations of Aiden Clark was the name we had. We ended up with Kyle Austin. And I, I kept coming home going, well, what do you think about Kilimanjaro? Like if we just took the Jaro, would that work? <laughs> Or uh, I go, is it legal to have a number in a kid's name? Because K2, can we get K2? Because that's the second highest mountain. And so at the end of the day, what we've discovered, this is literally like probably two weeks before Kyle was born. Uh, at the end of the day, we figured out that K2, which is the second highest mountain in the world, the most dangerous, uh, that's its plot number. And the two explorers that named it, their last names were Godwin and Austin. And so okay. it's Mount Godwin Austin is one of the other names for it. So we took the Austin A-U-S-T-E-N and uh, and pulled that out. So anyway, okay, now I totally birdwalked because I all of a sudden thought of that and we were going somewhere. Oh, I was going to talk about my relationship with my, my kid. But that was a great story, though. That was a great. <laughs> uh, so that 44-day road trip that we took, I ended up putting my oldest boy on a bus in Chicago and sending him home because he was being a butthead. And, you know, to his credit, 44 days is a long day to be on the road. And, and you know, we don't stop. So it was go, go, go. And every day we were doing something different, having a new adventure. And um, everybody flew home except for me and Devin. And his attitude changed. And I told him, I go, hey, buddy, I'd love to have you on the trip but you know i'm not going to put up with a negative attitude and right. so you get to decide and i said i don't have enough money to fly you home so there's an option if you want to pay the difference but i i'll pay for a bus trip and so and it was you know we kind of had a little bit of a hot moment but then we had a conversation and he said yeah i'll take the bus ticket so three-day trip home for him at 17 and that was an adventure so he takes off to the air force and and we had a really tough he had a tough time coming 
uh, in the teenage years and and 17 was was a four letter word in our household <laughs> with him and so uh, you know and you're thinking about like how, how's this relationship going to turn out and i subscribe to you know, I'm not here to be his friend. I'm here to be his parent and exactly. make sure I set exactly. him up for success. And so, yeah, I'm not giving in to stuff that a 17 year old wants to do and I'm going to support him, but I'm going to support his success and you know, all that stuff. And so uh, anyway, that was when you're suddenly looking at really putting your kid on a bus in uh, Chicago and it's, you know, that's a, that's a tough moment. Yeah. And so uh, he takes off and he goes to the boot camp. And uh, we don't have contact with him. In fact, we're writing him letters. He's not getting his letters. We get a letter from him and it was, how come nobody's writing to me? And wow. at that mm -hmm. point he had had like 11 letters that had been sent to him and, but he didn't get them. He didn't get them for, it was, so his boot camp was what, eight weeks or 10 weeks or something like that. And I think he went the first four weeks where he got one letter from my dad. And then, wow. then they all started coming in. And so it was a real powerful moment for us, I think, as a family to all go back to Texas and uh, right out of San Antonio and be part of his graduation experience. And just to see uh, his his maturity and he stepped up, he ended up being one of the flight leaders. So he was in charge nice. of 55 guys. And 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 you know, I kept trying to tell him, you know, it's like in scouts. And he kept. Yeah. And finally, he's like, well, it's kind of like, you know, leadership in scouts. And so to see him be able to apply all of those lessons that he had learned and and him coming back to me, he had told me before he left that I ruined his life because we spent all of his summers traveling and he didn't have time to spend with his friends and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so to have him come back and then tell me, hey, dad, man, these guys like, you know, I'm with 55 guys and some of them haven't been more than a hundred miles from their house. And they kept asking me, how do you have all these stories? How do you have all these stories? And he's like, well, I've got parents that are always pushing me to do stuff and people in my life that are pushing me to do stuff. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, kind of the next, uh, and he's still, like my wife said, he's still Devin, you know, he's 20 years old and, and he's still Devin, but you know, we've seen him, uh, we're super proud of him and, and where he's, he's grown to and his leadership and, yeah stuff so it is a different relationship though when you don't see your kid every day and uh when you call them on the phone and they're trying to get off the phone because they want to go do other <laughs> yeah, stuff they're, they're on they're on the way outside or on, on the way to wherever they're going and, and mom and dad are second nature but yeah Devin is, is a good dude and that that's a great story from the fact that again it's you're happening and you're talking about it and you're doing it at the time, but it either doesn't resonate, it goes in and goes out, but somewhere down the road, it clicks, it makes sense to have the aha moment. And and that just that just feels good, right? As a as a parent, that yeah, you know what, you you did your job, your due diligence. And I, I preach the same thing like like you just said. I'm I'm not here to be your friend. Uh I I'm your parent. <laughs> we 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 can be friendly, we can yeah. we can joke and play around, but you know, there, there, there is that dis distinction between being your, your, your best friend or whatever the case be, but, but I, 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 we are the parents. So Brett, this has been uh, an amazing treat for me, man. I, I hope this is time well spent for, for you as well. Um, hey, it's always a pleasure, you know, spending time with you, but just being able to talk about stuff that I'm so passionate about and being a teacher, here's, here's how I'll full circle the cycle here is talking about planting those seeds with your own kids and watching it grow to fruition. As an educator, I think that's what we're always doing. We're planting those seeds with students. 
we don't have that luxury a lot of times of of seeing what grows. And so we just keep putting seeds in and building that foundation, trying to partner with our parents, trying to partner with our community um, to grow our whole society. And uh, again, when you find something that you're super passionate about, that's one of the secrets to life. And so it's been my pleasure to share some of my passions. Thank you. Amen. And I won't tell anybody that you snuck into the school. Oh, <laughs> that's really a green screen, folks, behind him. <laughs> it is. You got it. Thank you, sir, for your time. Thank you, sir, for your wisdom and all that you do. Continue to be well and give my best to the family. All right. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thank you.